impossible sneaking into the museum and dodging every laser in sight. Dun, 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 dun. Disaster. <clears throat> we had this email in. I'm actually not going to name this person because um, they say a couple of things in the email that that might, I think mean they want their anonymity, even though she didn't actually ask for this to be anonymous. I'm, I'm going to err on the safe side here. So she said, hello, Matthew, and the rest of Jams. Love the podcast. This may be a bit unorthodox to be asking for advice, since I am a prominent male dating coach specializing <laughs> in seduction and attraction. Of course. I do want to clarify here that this is a woman who coaches men. That's what she means by male dating coach. Disaster. She's a dating coach for men. However, we all know that when things are too close to home, sometimes all we need is an unbiased opinion, coach or not. Right. Matthew's totally unbiased. You see, me and this guy have been seeing each other steadily about once or twice a week since the beginning of May. We're both busy, as I often give the same advice about the importance of staying busy so as not to contract one-itis. But this guy is different than your average bear. First off, he's a celebrity in his own right. <laughs> you cannot make this crap up, guys. Like, so she becomes a dating coach for men to attract the attention of men because she's looking for Chad. She attracts Chad... And then she wonders why Chad won't commit because, <laughs> oh my God. In a certain sector of Hollywood, not going into detail. Perfect. But he is a big, big deal. He values talented women and drive to which my dating coach company has blown up in the last year and he loves to hear all about it. Things have been going very well between us, but I could tell there's something there. A blockade of sorts. And I was right. About a month ago, he confided in me all of this intense trauma he went through during the pandemic and with his last relationship. And there it is. <laughs> you see, if you're a celebrity, if you're a child, you can confide all of your, you know, you can confide all of your weaknesses to the girl. But... <laughs> anything less and uh your relationship is going to die on the vine big deal stuff huge because this guy is a big deal in his world so his problems aren't just your typical problems yeah it sounds to me like she finally met her hypergamous ideal and now she's like ultra focused on the guy classic hello and welcome to helios blog my name is Helios here for another reaction video. If you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit that sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon exclusive content, patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Just go there and subscribe to the Nebula tier. Again, it's it's for the content I can't put on YouTube, guys. It's patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Um, you can also support me by dropping a donation. Like Tom M here, link is in the description. Shoutouts to him. Let's continue. The girlfriend he was with for years was diagnosed with borderline and other severe mental illness that I don't want to reveal for privacy reasons. Oh, so she's dating Johnny Depp. <laughs> they even created television shows together. He claims he tried everything to keep the relationship from falling apart, but it did. 
a year and a half ago. She was his first love. Yeah, okay. Stop the cap. But anyway, um, so guys, if you live by the premise of happy wife, happy life, you're going to have a bad life. And the reason is because um, women don't want to be the focus of your life. They want to be the addition. They want to be the cherry on top. So if you uh, are, the, are the one that um, is totally focused on her, then what's going to happen is she's going to see herself as superior to you and then she's going to leave. This matched with other work-related traumas resulting in PTSD. Uh-huh. Tears were shed okay. in the conversation. Perfect. And all in all, it was a really beautiful morning of us being completely vulnerable with each other. Yeah, it's it's isn't it so great, so nice uh, when Chad is finally vulnerable, you know, like... Again, this is like that, that you know, the, the romance novels, right? Like she finds the prince, right? And only for her, the prince is vulnerable and she feels like she's changing him, you know? Like this is like the classic, um, like like what, what these girls say they want, right? Then they get into these arrangements and then the guy for some reason doesn't commit and she wonders why. She's like, but he was emotionally vulnerable with me, but we were so open, but I thought we had something. Yeah, uh, he has a million options, so it doesn't matter what you think you had. This is when I really started to fall for him. He's in lots of therapy Cup. and discusses his feelings well, which I love. I have secure attachment style. I know not to text him too much or too little, but the thought of what are we kept eating me alive. Two weeks ago, I asked him, what are you looking for in dating? I clarified by saying, not that I feel any decisions need to be made now, but I will say that I'm getting in too deep for this to be a casual fling. Basically, she wants to get the commitment from Chad because she feels as though because he has a million options that he's not ever going to commit and she wants a guarantee that he will. And the thing is, Chad doesn't have to guarantee you anything. So there you go. And I asked him if dating could be a possibility in the future. He said yes. So here's the thing, guys. Here's how you can tell that a girl is into you. She's afraid, like, like she's tiptoeing around you, right? She's like, if, if I say the wrong thing, he's going to leave. If I say the wrong thing, I'm going to push him away. If I, you see what I'm saying? This is what true respect, admiration, and dread looks like. This is what you want, guys. And if your girl isn't acting like that towards you, it means that she doesn't genuinely desire you. Because if she did, she would respect you. You see? You see how you can tell how there's just innate respect just by listening to how this girl's talking about the guy? That's how it is, guys. This is already a long email, so I'll try to cut this short. We had another conversation about it last week because, in truth, I wanted to know if he was seeing other girls since I myself ended things with another guy and I genuinely don't feel like going on other dates. He clarified. If you're asking if I'm seeing anyone else consistently, then no, I'm not. Which, I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, It means that he's Chad, and he has multiple women who are interested in him, who he's not saying no to. That's what it means. So basically, you're in a soft harem. That's what it means. 
The conversation basically led into him revealing that he's been putting off the what are we convo because of all of the trauma and PTSD surrounding his ex and the possibility of being a boyfriend. Cap, that's not why he's doing it. He's doing it because he doesn't he doesn't actually want to be in a relationship with the girl. And this is the excuse he's giving her. He actually wants to play the field still. That's what's actually happening. He says he knows it's unfair to me because I am nothing like her. And he promised he will start bringing up dating again in therapy. I also am finding that many of our dates are during the week. He's met my friends twice. I've yet to meet his. He isn't bringing me into his life yet. Should I be worried? Or yeah. To him, you're just the girl on Wednesday. That's the truth. Of course, Matthew isn't going to say this, right? But... That's, that's what's happening here. Or not yet. I don't want to give up on this guy. But how long of do I wait? Of course not, it's Chad. What do I do during this limbo time? It's not like it's been months and months and he... Sorry, I, I believe we call that the talking stage in 2022. He's still not committing. But it's also feeling like this is a barrier we either need to cross together or the place I leave him behind. Do I create more space? What does it mean by being a challenge when you put it into practice? Is it too soon to move forward like this? Should I just let things be? Should I continue to date others or honor this feeling of desiring only him? Uh, you should not continue to date others. You should try to convince the guy to be, to be with you if that's truly what you want. And you convince the, the guy by providing value. So... By being fit, feminine, submissive, cooperative, and bedroom fund loyal. That's that's how you show those things. You stick by the guy until he actually wants to date and you convince him that you are much better than his other options. That's that's the only way with Chad. Like, you, you can't date other guys and expect Chad to chase you. Chase you. He's not going to do that. He's just going to go to another girl. From one coach to another, thank you. There's so much there, isn't there? It's such an interesting email. Jameson, I'm curious what your first reaction to this email is. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I just, I'm, I feel like you will have a perspective on this. Um, I worry that my reaction is not as um, compassionate and uh sweet as both yours or audrey's might be and my that's why i'd like to hear it <laughs> I but, ja but jameson's not worried he'll be more compassionate than me <laughs> he didn't i'm not mention sure you. Steve. i think me and steve might be pretty simpatico on this i think uh i just think this guy is so full of shit like this guy that is like feeding her all of this stuff about his ptsd and like his i mean no, that's very obviously his strategy. It's, he's not full of crap. That's exactly what he's doing. But because he's Chad, she doesn't want to let him go. You see? That's the point. All right. Um, <clears throat> All right, an article by Rola Tomasi. Uh, this is Women Talk, Men Do. Towards the end of last week's comment thread, there were some very insightful questions about how men and women communicate. Jeremy. Honestly, Stingray, I've never met a woman who actually wanted, quote-unquote, deep, meaningful conversations often. I think this is another lie that women tell themselves. What women seem to want conversationally is an authority figure. They want someone who can talk for hours about things they have no understanding of. They want to be intellectually dazzled more than participate in a, quote-unquote, deep, meaningful conversation. 
To be honest, and this will sound like I'm being arrogant, most women I've spent any time conversing with are poorly read, lacking creative thoughts, and have an abysmal understanding of politics and the world at large. Having said that, I still can't stand it when women say nothing on a date. Yohami. Quote-unquote, deep, meaningful conversations for a woman means, quote-unquote, emotional stuff about how I feel and what I want. Uh, reaffirmation and validation of my viewpoints, and of course, entertain me with stories that show me your character and make me feel good about myself for being with you. So of course they want that often. Yohami, deep doesn't mean just telling her how you feel about her feelings. It means also helping her to uncover her inner goodness in the way that she agonized for almost a few moments when she betrayed one friend at the expense of another. In other words, you hold your metaphorical conch of an echo chamber to her metaphorical ear and its solipsistic uh, autoacoustic emissions and she can hear what she wants to hear deeply. Stingray, uh, women are not good at and hate when uh, what men mean by a deep, meaningful conversation. The argument and debate, presenting and then criticizing ideas and the ad hominems, that so often you can call them, uh, you know, they make them get up and it's all over. That is not our idea of deep conversation at all. The feelings are not good and most women hate it. Uh, and uh, Daddy. And the last thing a woman wants in a quote-unquote deep, meaningful conversation is for the guy to talk about things important to him, or even worse, about his feelings. His feelings, wants, needs, and desires are the last things she wants to talk about because that's so beta. The best male friends I have uh, share one or more common interests with me. A sport, a hobby, music, art, fishing, lifting, golf, etc. And the best conversations I can remember with these friends occurred while we were engaged in some particular activity or event. <clears throat> Even just moving a friend into his new house, it's about accomplishing something together and in that time relating about stuff. When I lived in Florida, some of the best conversations I had with my studio guys were during some project we had to collaborate on for a week or two. Women make time with the express purpose of talking between friends, over coffee perhaps, but the act of communication is more important than the event or activity. Even a quote-unquote stitch and uh, B-word is simply an organized excuse to get together and relate. For women, communication is about context. They're rewarded by how that communication makes them feel. For men, communication is about content, and they're rewarded by the interchange of information and ideas. So women talk and men do. This is by a guy named Josie. Women typically don't give a damn about world affairs, history, etc. They just don't seem interested in pondering, learning about, or debating the big issues. There has to be a bio or evolutionary explanation for this, and my best guess is that women's concerns or interests have always been more provincial, localized, and trivial. Picture a bunch of women sitting around a campfire um, and having a cluck session in primitive societies, sharing gossip as they threshed the grain or made clothes. I'm inclined to agree... It's no secret that men and women's brains are wired differently. But what's interesting is the complementarity between, between, uh, between both uh, genders' brains. It's a mistake to think that women's neural predilections for emotions and intuitiveness is inherently a weakness or a liability. But it's equally a mistake to think that men's disposition towards rationalism, problem-solving, and inventiveness is. Uh, so here's a... Here, here we go. Maps of neural circuitry showed that an average woman's uh, on average, women's brains were highly connected across the left and right hemispheres, in contrast to men's brains, where the connections were typically stronger between the front and back regions. Uh, Ragini v v Verma, a researcher at the University of Pennsylvania, said the greatest surprise was how much the findings supported old stereotypes, with men's brains apparently wired for more perception and coordinated actions, and women's for social skills and memory, making them better equipped for multitasking. If you look at functional studies, the left of the brain is more for logical thinking and the right is more for intuitive. So if there's a task that involves doing both of these things, it would seem that women are hardwired to do those better. 
Verma said. Women are better at intuitive thinking. Women are better at remembering things. When you talk, women are more emotionally involved. They will listen more. This pretty much confirms many women's communicative methods I outlined in The Medium is the Message. We get frustrated because women communicate differently than we do. Women communicate covertly, men overtly. Men convey information, women convey feeling. Men prioritize content, women prioritize context. One of the great obfuscations fostered by feminization in the last quarter century is this expectation that women are every bit as rational and inclined to analytical problem solving as men. It's a result of an equalist mentality that misguides men to believing that women communicate no differently than them. That's not to discount women as problem solvers in their own right, but it flies in the face of how women set about a specifically feminine form of communication. Scientific study after study illustrate the natural capacity women have for exceptionally complex forms of communication, to the point of proving their neural pathways are wired differently, and they're proudly waved in by a feminized media as proof of women's innate merits. Yet as men were expected, were expected to accept that she, quote-unquote, means what she says and she says what she means. While more than a few women like to wear this as a badge of some kind of superiority, it doesn't necessarily mean that what they communicate is more important, or how they communicate is more efficient. It's just that they have a greater capacity to understand nuances of communication better than men. One of the easiest illustrations of this generational switch is to observe the communication methods of the quote-unquote strong women the media portray in popular fiction today. How do we know she's a strong woman? The first cue is she communicates in an overt, uh, overt information-centered, masculine manner. From an evolutionary perspective, it's likely that in our hunter-gatherer tribal roles, um, this this had a hand in men and women's communication differences. Men went to hunt together and practiced the coordinated actions for a cooperative goal. Bringing down prey would have been very information crucial. In fact, the earliest cave paintings were essentially records of a successful hunt and instructions on how to do it. Early men's communication would necessarily have been content-driven discourse or the tribe didn't eat. Similarly, women's communication would have been during gathering efforts and childcare. It would stand to reason that due to women's more collectivist roles, they would evolve to be more intuitive and context-oriented rather than objective-oriented. A common recognition in the manosphere is women's predisposition towards collectivism and or a more socialist bent to thinking about resource distribution. Whereas men tend to distribute resources in, um, primarily on merit, women have a tendency to spread resources collectively irrespective of merit. Again, this predisposition is likely due to how women's hard wiring evolved as part of the circumstances of their tribal roles. All right, back to this here. And just the way that he's he's created this dynamic where she's framing it like he's just such a big deal. And I just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I've talked to you guys about this before where it's like, I think people throw <laughs> around the term narcissist too much. But if I had to bet my bottom dollar, I feel like this dude is probably a narcissist that she's hung up on. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, if he's an actor in Hollywood, I'll bet. That's pretty common. And uh, yeah, like, that's the thing. It's it's a narcissistic chat who's, you know, tall, physically fit, um, you know, with social proof, attractive, everybody knows him. Like, this is the kind of guy that, like, all women want and men want to be, right? So, like... <laughs> You can't make this crap up, guys. Like, again, five minutes of alpha is better than five days or five years of beta. That's how it goes. And that's, that. like, when these girls are complaining about men, they're always complaining about one of these guys. They're not complaining about beta Billy. Or, you know, if we were to use Patrice O'Neill's um, metaphor, uh, they're never complaining about penguins. They're only ever complaining about great white sharks. And it's forcing her to just really forget all of the advice that she would probably tell somebody else that she would be coaching. I mean, Jameson 
with a swish. <laughs> okay. You agree. I, this, I don't know why my instinct was to go to you on this one. But, but boy, am I glad I did. <laughs> but boy, was I right. Um, no, you, that, I just think that was really, really spot on. I don't know how to add to that without doing some reiteration. But you, to me, you hit the nail on the head. I think I don't like this guy just from listening to him secondhand. And it's not like she's even tried to paint a negative picture of him. Quite the opposite. She tried really hard to paint a positive, compassionate picture of him. And I just feel like she's, she's feeding into his narrative there. I think she's just doing what everybody does when they think that they've stumbled across someone valuable and rare. You see? You see what I'm saying? See, the girl knows. She can tell exactly by what the girl is saying. This girl here. She can tell that other men want to be this man and women, other women want to be with this man. So she is hearing the subcommunication that the guy is valuable and she's intrigued. You see? You see the men's reactions versus the women's reaction? That is how it goes, guys. You know, we do it. In this instance, she's obviously valuing the fact that he's a big deal in his own industry. And, you know, she mentions, like you say, the fact that he's a big, big deal quite a few <clears throat> times. So I think she's obviously consciously or otherwise decided that um, if she lets this go, she's not going to find something like this again. You know? Right. That is, Roro Tomasi describes this as the hypergamous ideal. He's taller, stronger, faster, fitter, smarter, more successful, more socially connected, better friends, bigger deal than her. He's better than her in every single way. And it doesn't matter if she doesn't like the guy. It doesn't matter. Hypergamy doesn't care about like. It cares about respect, you see. In order to have bedroom fun with a girl, she doesn't have to like you. She just has to respect you. She has to see you as above herself. She has to see the masculine and feminine polarity. She doesn't actually have to like you. That's the interesting thing. So you see the guys immediately, they know this guy's not a nice guy. He's not a good guy for you. But it doesn't matter because hypergamy doesn't care if the guy is quote unquote good for her or not. It cares that it's found a winner. You see what I'm saying? You know, I think people do it with looks. They do it with careers. They do it with everything. Absolutely. You, know, you can meet someone who has... She's telling on herself. ...has an eclectic, amazing social group. And you suddenly go, well, if I leave this person, I also will not find somebody who brings me into their life and does all the fun things that I get to do with them. Yeah, that's, that's again, look at this beautiful explanation, right? The way that she's explaining this is actually amazing. She's telling on, on women, right? Like, perfectly. Women date pragmatically. They don't care, like, who you are as a person. They care what you are and what you can provide. Relationships are an exchange. Bedroom fun and intimacy for all of the things you provide. And by that I mean the job you provide, the money you provide, the attitude you provide, the bedroom fun you provide, the friend group you provide, the activities you provide. That's what it's about. It's, it's not so much about who you are. Are you nice? Are you kind? Are you, you know, pleasant to be around? No. It's more about the first than it is about the second. 
very well explained by this girl here. She's she's not actually lying. No, it's exactly accurate. Um, or I'll never find someone who's as attractive as the person I'm dating. Absolutely. And so we then make these allowances because we we just sort of elevate them and we tolerate all of their bad behavior. That's absolutely right. And then when the girl is, you know, uh, 35 plus and she's wasted all of her time on guys like this, then finally she's had her fun and she's ready to settle down and she chooses a penguin in Patrice O'Neill's analogy as opposed to a great white. But she's been choosing great whites all her life. All right. Uh, So this is a post from Relationship Advice. It was posted 13 hours ago. So the guy is 22 and the girl is 23. So this is, again, this is a red flag. If the girl is older, usually it, it means the girl, like, there's something wrong, usually. So AITA means, am I the A word for thinking weight should be allowed as a talking point? Serious. My girlfriend, 23 female of four years, who is my best friend and an amazing partner, recently, within a year and a half, put on 30 to 40 pounds. When we started dating, she was 120, and now she's a lot heavier. The exact amount I would be yelled at if I even knew, let alone mentioned. There have been multiple times I bring up the weight gain. I started going to the gym saying that she should come with me, but on the rare occasion she did, I wasn't allowed to comment at all on how she was, wasn't was doing anything uh, or look at her. This led to fights. Mind you, every time I bring this up, I'm doing my absolute best to follow all the guidelines I see online and work at the real goal, establishing a healthy lifestyle she enjoys for the future. I tell her that I love her and that her body is not the issue. It's her unhealthiness. The fitness is a part of my life and I am willing to do whatever it takes to get her in the fitness form she enjoys. After many times of talking about weight, sometimes me being stupid and not saying the right things, she's told me that I'm never allowed to talk about her weight or her fitness ever again. She said that no respectful male would ever talk about a woman's weight and certainly would not use any terms that made her look any less than perfect. I've looked everywhere but can't find information on this. Should I agree to never talk about it again? Is that normal? Ah, no. Unfortunately, weight is a very important thing. Like, physical attractiveness is one of the keys to maintaining a good relationship, and especially for men. So she doesn't have the right to tell you that you have no right to say that. Uh, and for men, what is your power? Your power is the right to walk away. You always have the ability to walk away. So if you don't like the deal you're getting, you can just walk. You can find a girl who's fit. You're not married. You're just dating. You can leave her and find a different girl. And you might have to. Okay, let's look at the 3.2 upvotes here. Sounds like two people who might have been a good fit for each other at 18 are no longer a good fit as they approach 25. These are very formative years. It's not super surprising that you're turning into different people. Sometimes people grow together and sometimes they grow apart. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Your guys' values don't line up anymore. You just need to ask yourself if you're willing to give that up or if you want to move on and be with someone who's more compatible. Um, again, this is just sugarcoating it. Basically, she's saying leave, like like what I'm saying. All right, let's see. 500 upvotes. This is way more common than people realize. People need to understand this more. Okay, anyway, we're going to end the episode there. So again, guys, if you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit that sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content, patreon.com slash the blog. Just go there and subscribe to the Nebula tier. Again, it's for the content I can't put on YouTube, guys patreon.com slash the Helios blog. You could also drop me a donation like Tom M here. Shout outs to him. Thank you so much guys for taking the time out of your busy day to watch the video, especially if you watched all the way to the end. I really do appreciate it guys. You guys are wonderful. Take care of yourselves and I will see you next time.